Okay, guys, I haven't moved an inch since last week. I've been sitting in this place. Yeah, and it's literally <laughs> been two minutes. <laughs> if you uh, if you didn't uh, check out last week's episode, please do, because um, I had this amazing comedian on named Yoshi, and he's still sitting across from me for this week's episode, because we just couldn't cover all the things that we need to cover. I have a feeling that you and I could just sit here all day and talk, though, because every time I see you, we always have, like, the best conversations. And yeah. I, I feel like... Um, with uh, m comedians in general and specifically so i mean i've known you for re as long as i've been in la pretty much i, th I remember meeting you like probably almost 15 years ago i feel like right and something I like that i moved down here in 2003 yeah. and i think i met you shortly i saw ralphie once in seattle i just said hello and then um i don't know what i just remember you guys in there was some party or something. I don't remember. Something was going at your house where everybody was there. We used uh, to throw great parties. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So I got to um, know you. And, and um, of course, I see you at Braille, Ontario yeah, Improv. Yeah, we've done yeah, many yeah. shows together. But it's funny because, like, <laughs> I feel like with comedians, there's no um, bullshit. Like, whenever I walk up, when you, like, when you walk up to the improv and you, like, see somebody, you know, you can immediately walk up and be like, what's up, fucker? Like, it's not, there's no, um, not a whole lot of preamble to we just can get down and dirty real quick and every time i see you we're immediately like talking about whatever the heart of the just subject is just restart from the last page where yeah, we're yeah yeah there's like a little refresher and they're like oh yeah cool and it's yeah. hard to explain to somebody who's not a comedian but even when i do shows in overseas like um i just did five cities with jim norton two three months ago like i was doing a bunch of shows a couple of days before jim showed up with a bunch of norwegian comedians and everyone's doing their show in Norwegian, except for me, obviously. But I don't know what they're saying. But even if you don't speak the language, there's certain like rhythm delivering jokes mm -hmm. and how the audience react. And it's the same fucking stories, really. Like, they'll tell me like, oh, man, this booker is a jerk. Or <laughs> if, you, if you work at this club, you can't work. You know, it's the same. Right. It's the same same thing everywhere. We all have this common experience. Yeah, this guy steal jokes or, you know, <laughs> oh, I didn't get paid for the gig. So... I think that's the great part of going overseas or different state and cities when you do shows. Like uh, maybe that, that idea that all comedians yeah. start from this sort of like very <coughs> open place. Well, just yeah, there's. It's like having like a. It's like a brotherhood and sisterhood, really. Right. Yeah, yeah I can see that. It's, well, it's always really cool to hang out with you. So I'm glad we have the time to like continue on because I so enjoy hearing you talk. You're super smart and. This blows my mind, this magazine that you're working for, and this article um, that I haven't even, I mean, the, what you were telling me about what you're doing, I had no idea. Okay, so first of all, the magazine is illegal. That's the name of it. Illegal. Um, what happened was, when I was doing shows in Europe for seven, six, five years ago, I met this kid named Jonathan Wolf. He's a, a Jewish kid in, in Denmark, and he was our tour manager with Jason Rouse. So tail end of the second tour like five six years ago he finally told me like he's really young too back then still is <coughs> prior to uh, managing comedy tour he went to jail for a couple years when he was a kid because he was one of the biggest drug dealer so he had a bunch of adults working for him but he was a kid running this operation in northern denmark selling drugs you know wow so i saw even an article where he was a kid in like jail for kids or something. It's weird in Scandinavia because he could leave middle of the night as long as he come back by a couple hours before the morning 
What kind of jail is that, by the way? You're supposed to stay there, but <coughs> anyway. Like he would like a like a ankle bracelet kind of thing. Like I don't even they even did that. Make sure if you're in the morning. You in Denmark, I mean, it's like it's <laughs> like they'll find you maybe. Yeah. So, four years ago when I was visiting, I said, "Hey, you know, I have a podcast. Do you know somebody interesting?" He introduced me to his friend, a guy named Michael Olson. He started Illegal Magazine, but. Um, Basically, he saw a bunch of syringes, I think, if I remember, in front of his uh, apartment. And he didn't get mad, but he, there's his kids. So one morning, when he was uh, early in the morning, he saw one of the guy inject heroin in his uh, front door. Why? Because the, the central station, uh, Copenhagen Central Station, their bathroom, they don't have a mirror, and they put a black light. So you can't see your uh, places to inject heroin. So they that just was the reason why they put the light they in? <coughs> they go to um, people's residence so they have a light, you know. Oh. So Michael eventually, make the story short, drove his van to a different neighborhood in uh, Copenhagen, parked his car, there will be a doctor and nurse in the van, and allow addicts to show up and let them inject heroin in the back of the van. So there's a thing called illegal van. And wow. it pissed the city off, but after a while, you couldn't agree you can't get mad at the result less uh overdose and with this magazine instead of robbing people or breaking into people's home or prostitute themselves they have a magazine they could sell keep one third of the money turn around buy drugs so eventually the city decided to have a facility where you could go and inject heroin or do any other drugs <coughs> and now to most Americans, this sounds radical idea. It works every fucking time. Uh, Switzerland, they give you free heroin. Uh, Portugal, they're all legal. All drugs are legal, um, up to personal amount. And they have another policy where if you're a mechanic and if you're a drug addict and trying to turn your life around, the government will go to local mechanic and say, hey, if you hire this person, we will pay 50% of his salary for the first year. So instead of treating like moral, criminal problem, they treated health problems. Um, Uruguay just passed, marijuana is completely legal, state-owned pharmacies give, you could buy marijuana from them. And um, you know, this country, we've been having <coughs> criminals like illegalizing a drug because of high profit margins. You know, we learn from prohibition of alcohol. So, for whatever reason, uh, in that book, Chasing the Scream, that I mentioned in previous episode, um, Americans decide to do the complete polar opposite of what you should do, and um, it's been it's been terrible result because we're also going to other country and strong arm people and follow their policy that doesn't work. Is it the drug companies that keep <laughs> it illegal? Because they I mean, I mean, like. Oxycodone is like a prescription heroin, mm -hmm. and that's a huge money maker. So, is that part of why, partly why, that they don't want to embrace? Well, you know, many of the police departments, they have to keep certain statistics of success arresting people. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, drug conviction is so much easier to, you know, like because murder, murder cases take so much effort and time, and, and they're uh, kind of relatively. Relatively few, depending on where you are in the country, right? Hopefully. Sure. Hope? I don't know. I don't know. That might be kind of an ignorant statement, but it just doesn't... Easy conviction. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot more incidences of people just having drugs on them than right. people just murdering You could people. take people's property if you catch them with drugs. Um, 
and these drug laws profession uh being historically how do you go after the blacks the chinese the latinos and even nixon you know 60s how does he go against his enemies usually inner cities or liberal white people they all have one thing in common very liberal uh, idea of using drugs you know so but um if you read that book it, it is a tra really is Amer american tragedy the drug policies because there was a time when the doctors disagree with the government and um, trying to do a sensible policy 70 80 years ago but the u.s government arrested and put took their medical license away so people have been very afraid to talk about this but um when i went to sweden they have this really tough drug laws and i did a little bit of research it's because u.s government put a lot of pressure on them you know that's interesting so like this magazine is this sponsored through charity or does it i mean how is it it doesn't make any money Everyone who it's works in the magazine work. is charity. Uh, we do free volunteers. So um, I did. I started doing legal comedy because we're trying to promote the magazine and work with other. Um, so you're trying. trying to bring it over here. To yeah. Um, I. We sold it after the show, and California is not a very good state for people standing in the streets trying to sell magazines, except I think. Berkeley and San Francisco, they're pretty liberal. But they don't have it here. I mean, there's a lot, uh, you know, I'd be more inclined to buy a magazine off of someone. Um, I know they have it in Nashville. They have homeless people selling magazines. Yeah. Like a magazine that they do. Yeah. So. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm we have an office in London. Office is a pretty strong word. We have people in London helping to <laughs> sell that magazine in Copenhagen, too. Um, I'm the only person operating this thing right now over here, so. Oh. I try to sell them through comedy. I go other people's podcasts talking about it, and but ultimately, I like I, I would like to eventually have somebody graduate from college with a lot of drug policy background and let them run it because that's not my forte. But I I just know this drug war is just terrible. What's going on in Mexico? And if you legalize it, we'll start saving people's lives. There was this this scumbag. I don't know if it's Ohio or someplace Midwest, this fat police chief saying they're not going to use Narcan if they find overdose person. Narcan's a, a common name for naloxone. It's the stuff that you inject people when they're having overdose. But this police chief was saying, we want to. We don't want to increase their lifestyle. Ugh. Well, first of all, you don't make a decision who, sh who you sh shave or not. But if you have a heart attack, they shouldn't give you any help because you're overweight. <laughs> if we save your life, we're just we're encouraging your fat your lifestyle. Fat life. Yeah, your, your fatness and your ignorance. And we're not going to do that. Any Ugh. decent human being will help that person. Like these homeless people constantly having problems, you don't let them die. Right. So well, you don't get to, you don't get to choose who who it to blows save. Blows my mind, Yoshi. Like we live in such a great city. I love LA, <coughs> and, and this is a problem in every city. But like. When you go down to downtown, downtown, oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's like entering, it's like um a zombie street down there. Um, it looks like seeing from Skid Walking Row. Dead. It does, and it's forty five minutes from Beverly Hills. It blows my mind that it even exists in our culture that like we can have a block. Like I, I always think, what do you, what can you do about it? So I'm glad that you're doing something proactive with this magazine, guys. This is so cool. You can actually um, it just look it up online. It's illegalmagazine.org yeah. so it's .org and it's um, and in here 
is an article that you wrote about. Because I do hun human guinea pig. Because um, every, ever since I lost my job five years ago, I don't make enough doing comedy. So I supplement income through that. But I also learned a lot about pharmaceutical company too. But um, this this particular article is about stomach sports, which is yours. It's funny because you're like, people are looking for a quick way, not a correct way to lose weight. And yeah. they're doing the bypass. The bypass surgery, it, it, the thing about weight loss is it doesn't work unless you want it to work, right? So it's just like, the, then cut your tummy out, but you, you can still blend up. I, I heard a story about a woman. I lose about 20 pounds every time I go in. About from from this from this technique everything because they cut your calories what you could take well that's why you lose weight yeah, yeah. and i also walk around the complex like two hours a day what, what is the okay wait so go back i'm going to backtrack a little bit so yoshi <laughs> said the words human guinea pig this is the way you supplement your income right by as taking part in studies so How every every pharmaceutical company um they're always researched and development new drugs and but they don't have any drugs ready to be tested every day. So they hire a third party called CRO, Clinical Research Organization. Their job is to make a contract with different pharmaceutical when they're ready to test some new drugs. So each particular company like Eli Lilly or uh, Amgen or uh, Bayer's, they, they, will s they will contact these companies and say, hey, we need 60 people. They have to be Japanese uh, between age of 18 through 45 or 50. And they have to be at this BMI, body mass index. They have to be non-smokers, and they have to be in for uh, 30 days. That's what's the last study. You totally fit all that, right? Fit in, and I go into screening, and uh, they check my blood, my urine, blood pressure, everything, make sure I'm healthy and no STD. If I qualify, they will ask me to come back 10 days to check in for however many days they need to put inject the medication. And oh, my God. <coughs> and... I've been do you I've know been what the medication is? Like, do you know what the study is going to be? Do you have yeah, an opportunity? Yeah, every, every one of those studies, you have to read between 40 to 70 pages of these legal documents. It will tell you who's sponsoring it, what kind of medication, what's it for, and they talk about benefit, side effect, how much you're getting paid, all the rules. What is, the, what is a good example of a, a drug study that you partook in and what it was for and what some of the side effects and all that? I did one. I usually do, it seems like every other time I do it, it's always something to do with dementia, Alzheimer's. And uh, it's called, the reason why they pick Japanese is because it's called psychodynamic, how body breaks the medication and process it. For whatever reason, Japanese are like the best of that. So it goes into our blood system better than any other race and disappear quicker than any other race. Hmm. So we're perfect. <laughs> specimen for <laughs> testing medical uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Yoshi, you specifically are the perfect specimen beyond that, right? <laughs> yeah, because I don't have a regular job, so Dick, yeah. Dick, Dick, Dick will have me for 30 days. Um, so wait, wh what does it pay to go in for a study for 30 the days? The last one I did was almost 12000 for 30 days. Um, I did one study like a year and a half ago. I had two epidural shots. Ouch. Yeah, I did it because I thought it was funny at the time. Oh. It pays more money. Because women always complain how painful it is. So I want to know. You know, it, well, they numb. I, I didn't do an, I did a delivery, my, both my children I had. Um, but they they numb it before they put the epidural Right. In, so so um, for if you've never done it, basically they, the way they did it. That's just, just ugh. They woke us at 4.30 a.m. Because doctor have to take care of us before he have to deal with the regular patients. 
So you sit in the edge, edge of your bed. So my, my friend, my roommate went first. So he sat in the edge of the bed, your legs sticking out, bent over a little bit, pull your T-shirt off, and the doctor will see your spinal cord and find the uh, biggest uh, spot where they can inject <sighs> the needle. Then he'll make a big red circle around it to find a target. Then three shots on each side of uh, those little shots. Then uh, <sighs> eventually you see a nurse walking with the you know, biggest needles I, needle that I've ever seen. And the doctor would say, okay, I'm going to go in. And he's a grown-ass man. He's a couple years younger than me. He's like, uh, yeah, we're men. We've been shot before, you know. As <coughs> soon as he's going, he started going, uh, 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 uh. he started screaming, you know. The doctor? No, the guy. So I'm like, what the fuck? Wait, the, your, your friend. We're, yeah, he's getting, he's getting the shot before me. So I figured we were men, so like, it would be fine. But he was making all kinds of noise, right? It's so painful, huh? Yeah, and like 30, 40 seconds, doctor goes, okay, you're done 10%. So he was in for a long time. And I needed the money, but I was kind of thinking, like, I could just run out of there, not, not do it. Oh, <laughs> my God. So it was my turn. So you had to witness somebody else going through the pain First, before your pain. I didn't like it, but I think I had a higher pain threshold. Like, oh, it feels a little weird. He said, do not make sudden move, you know. I don't know if he was yeah, joking. Yeah, because you, know, you could be paralyzed. Paralyzed. Don't make sudden moves. So I just stayed. Like, oh, it feels like somebody put their thumb on your shoulder and press it really hard. That's what it felt like to me. Oh. But they, do, they have to do it twice. Once before you take the medication, and second time after you take the medication. So they want to see the result. That's why they did it. What uh, was the medication? Alzheimer's. Yeah. And. What? What are I picked that one because of the uh, epidural shots, more money. There's a second group with a different study, but they checked in at the same time as we did. What was so funny? I remember a couple of the guys from the other study. We checked in the same day, but they went se separate rooms. Three days later, we were eating at cafeteria. He sat next to us. He turned orange. He had an orange spot on his face, neck, arm, legs. Oh, my God. I said, are you orange between the legs? He said, yes, in Japanese. In the business, it's called AE, adverse effect. So they stopped taking the medication because the medication was doing something weird to their bodies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they have to stop. At insult to injury, he'll get less than $1,500 less because they have to stop. You oh. would think you should get more money because yeah, you're suffering. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Because he turned orange. Oh, my God. Any long-term effects? I don't know. I never saw that guy again. <laughs> what about for you? Have you noticed anything that you... <laughs> I, I'm, I've been pretty lucky. <laughs> One time my shit turned green for like a month. Oh, God. What were you, st what were you ingesting? <laughs> I don't know. I, Some that might have been liver cancer or something. Oh, God. But it's, it's like over mic when you go to other comedians... Like, sometime I'll see a guy like, oh, I remember you, uh, liver cancer, 2014. Hey, what's <laughs> up? And uh, you know what I mean? When you see other comedians or whatever. And now, I only do it every time I run out of money, but um, this like it's like a subculture. These guys travel the whole country. And do different studies? Yeah, it's like comedy. They go like... <laughs> so their, career, their career. They During during the studies, we'll say like, oh, do I heard you work at Denver Clinic. What was that like? Well, um, Wi-Fi was great. The staff was great, but the food was terrible. So they take all these mental notes like, did they pay right away? You know. So there's a group of guys. It's like Fight Club. That's why I say stomach uh, uh, sports because 
it, you literally need your guts to do it. But these guys, I only go Southern California, but they literally travel the whole country doing so many different studies. And you know, when you do one study, you're supposed to wait 30 days before all your medication out of your system. A lot of these guys, I'm not saying whether I did or not, but sometimes they need more money that they after they finish, they'll go to another clinic and try to see if they qualify for another studies. So sometimes the drug they just took could overlap with the next study. Oh no, So you don't. Yeah, but all the clinics don't talk to each other. So they don't, they only have to take Oh my gosh. Patients were for that. They didn't take any experimental drugs. But yeah, they travel the country doing medical testings. Ugh. And it's really interesting, actually. I mean, all kinds of crazy things could happen to you, I guess, doing that. So this particular study, you had to live, you said, for like 30 days inside a facility? That was like um, 20, uh, at least 20 days. And I'm not even supposed to take pictures because they get mad. But um, I learned, a, actually, I learned a lot about medicine and human bodies because when I talk to the nursing staff, you know, and <coughs> yeah, so it's been interesting four years since I, I lost my job working for Evil Angel, the porn company, but there's one common thing though, in both business, people use their bodies to make money. Oh, between porn and, and uh, the Human studies. getting paid, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's such a really weird subculture and, and on top of it, I travel overseas to weird places and uh, do stand-up. So I think that's why maybe you say like unusual background, but I just can't go back. Can you go back to nine to five job if now, if you have to? It would be very difficult, I would imagine. Um, I've had to ask myself a lot over the last couple of years, like, you know, wh how am I going to make an income? And I, I'm unqualified. I know you're going to do comedy because you're funny, but Thank I'm just you. saying. If no, you, no. You I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to, parlay everything I've learned in comedy into whatever whatever I do and I mean and stand up or you know all of it uh, it's you know there's so many things that relate to comedy um, and a nine-to-five job could be a, a writer you know um, oh I didn't think about that you're yeah, right yeah but but still creative um, but I asked myself that question it's, it's it's not even an option I'm not qualified to do anything else like I, I sometimes think about it like if I were to apply here at Zanku chicken for a job they would not hire me like I am not qualified for this particular nine-to-five job like um, and and all you have to do is, is Google me and, <laughs> and know that I'm not qualified so it's really funny that way so I would be more likely to do some sort of study than be able to get a regular day I job, I think. I'm a lot older than you. I graduated in 1993. So I worked in adult business for almost 15, 16 years. You know, if you ended up working for a guy named Buttman. Buttman? B-U-T-T man. Buttman. If you're working for somebody named Buttman, you made some bad decisions in your <laughs> life, you know. And what am I supposed or to Or very good decisions, I don't know. But what, what are you going to put in a resume, you know, like... I call my former employer Buttman <laughs> yes. for a referral. <laughs> call the, uh, the, the comedy shack in, in Buttman, Missouri. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and it's, it's not like I learned a lot of useful skills, you know, like... My specialty was transgender movies. And if you show me... I don't think I could do it now because I, I, there's a lot of stuff I haven't watched in the last five <laughs> years. But if you show me a guy from waist down, I could usually tell you whose dick that belongs to. Why? Like, were you you were doing the packaging, right? Or like the? I was a DVD producer, so I have right. to watch. 
I have to watch a movie and make a blueprint of that what that DVD looks like. But unlike Hollywood movies where you put chapter points, depends on transition of a different story throughout the movies. When you put chapter point porno, you're printing points where you're making it easier for the guy to masturbate. You know what I mean? So th th then I have to put... So you mean like places where you could fast forward the video? Yeah, clicking oh. and, and, and for, the, for the guys, um, I have to put like... Um, yeah, you don't want to so fast forward and have it be just like just a straight up yeah. shot. You want to do like land oh on yeah, tits. I have to you want to fast forward. What is it going to land on next? Pussy. It's going to fast forward. It's going to land on butt. Fast I forward. I it's going to land on her feet. <laughs> now only did not only did I have to put a chapter point throughout the movie. I have to make a separate menu where cum shot recap where some guys are just into seeing cum shots, so I have to put that in the movie. So they can just watch that part of it over Guys are into that, and I have to put like Is bonus scene, extended scenes. I have to Wait, put a music. Did your job end because of the availability of it on the internet? Is that because you were working with actual <laughs> DVDs, right? I, I, it's a long story. I talked to him. The guy. I didn't get along with the GM. Um, Was that Batman? <laughs> no, but the guy had a problem with. You know when you when it was like you don't pause on that part of the cum shot, Yoshi. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got to back it up a little. You, you came too quick on the cum shot. <laughs> no, no I, that's not why you lost it. The, no, I. Uh, it's okay. You don't have to tell it. No, no. Unlike I like <laughs> unlike most Asian people, I I can be very confrontational. If if I if I don't like someone or if they do something I don't agree, I will I will definitely say something. Which is not a very common trait among Asian people. That's why I could I can't live in Asia. So I, it was inevitable that I would ended up in this country, you know. Mm. Um, and it's not like when you work in the adult business, you you have a best and brightest, you know. Like the guy I had a problem with, he used to have a huge addiction problem too. So our personality didn't get along, but. Um, but I also have to say there's a plenty of kind, nice people in the business too. It just a lot of them they have a early childhood trauma and very difficulties and whenever somebody attack people in adults, I try to remind them like you have no idea some sometimes what they have gone through. It's very hard for them to get a nine to five job because some of the Horrible things that were happened to them, you know. Well, I mean, um, I have a couple of friends who have done porn, and it's hard to go back into any other industry once, you know. I mean, it's just, especially now because it's on the internet and everybody can see it, and yeah, I mean, it's one of those rabbit holes. Once you go down, you for know. a lot of girls, they they're having a hard time having a career now. Yeah. No, I know. You, you only work maybe a month people. or two, then you, you run out of jobs, you know? Yeah, yeah right? You probably know a unless few people. You, unless you're, like, turning into a star or something. But, yeah, it's... Um, I can't believe how much it has changed. I was going to go uh Edinburgh French Fest this year, but um, scheduling didn't work. But next year, in addition to just regular jokey stand-up, I've been doing a lot of um, talk about my experience in the business. Uh, I, I got to stop myself censoring myself because most people never work in that business or no porn stars. So I just kind of take some of the information for granted. But I guess it is interesting that people never work in that business. And, you I know. know, I mean, it's like, isn't it like the I was joking with somebody the other day that, if you know, that whole uh, California. 
what is it, California secedes from, the, you know, there's that whole. I, from the States? Yeah, yeah. like, and we could probably just produce porn and, yeah. <laughs> and distribute that to the rest of the world. You know, because it's, but getting back to the idea that it people, everybody, somehow it touches everybody's life in some yeah. way. Usually, you know, it's. It's the biggest industry. <laughs> it's crazy. We, we, we don't have a time because the p people got me angry because they don't know my motivation. But like, you know, stuff like, um, I I would I would be t very terrified to have kids, especially girls, because, you know, uh, twelve thirteen years ago I was in Paris. Sunday afternoon I went to Eiffel Tower and they have uh, antique shows. And it's an antique show. There's all these people with it. Antique show, like in front of the Eiffel Tower? Yeah, they have a little oh, table. Neat. They're selling art pieces and things like that. One time, this guy had all photographs. Beautiful. <coughs> in the backside, he had all these pictures from pictures of uh, prostitutes in Paris. Like maybe within 10 years after the invention of camera, so these are prostitutes, okay? Oh yeah! Wow. Black and white. Old, like old, old, old yeah. photos of. Old. These are prostitutes. They make living, fucking. They're not naive. Right. What was so interesting to me, looking at the photograph, how shy they were. They didn't know how to pose, in front of the camera. Oh, they, it's just, this is pre-Instagram. <laughs> right, right. If you go they, any more, they didn't know how to hold the camera up high yeah. and, and purse them and push their titties up. They didn't. <laughs> if you go to any malls in America right now or in Canada, and pretend like you're a fashion photographer, you walk up to any cute girls, 12, 13, 14, very young, and say you're fashion photographer, whatever. Can I take a picture? I almost guarantee my life, many if not all of them. They know how to pose. Yes, of course. These prostitutes didn't know. But these young girls never work in a uh, sex business know how to pose. Something happened last 140, 150, 160 years where young girls learn because they've been so bombarded with being sexualized. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? It, it's, it's a, well, it, there's it's something far worse than pornography because these girls in every generation they're saying, girls are menstruating earlier than the previous year. so you know, I don't know I, I feel like sexuality in different times in history have, has had different like there's been there's been different times when people have been more liberal different times when people aren't like yeah. I very much like this whole sex positive thing that's happening in our in our yeah. female culture right now I think it's really empowering if it's dealt with in the right way but I have to say that um, I did this cool project which I um, in my in college for my thesis I was I worked as a photographer actually and I, I photographed prostitutes along the Texas and Mexican border. And, uh, oh, I didn't know. That's yeah, cool. it's really cool. I was really proud of it. And, you know, I think it's just one of those things. If you catch the right image of the right person yeah. at the right time, you can really see a certain vulnerability. Yeah. And I would love to see. Did you buy? Did you take any of those photos? You just w looked at them. Because that would be cool to have a, a photo of a prostitute yeah. from 160 years ago. I don't know. They, they were actually kind of like touching in a way, yeah. you know. Oh, it's interesting. But so with, with, with Instagram and how uh, reality shows, or just sexting in general, like yeah. you can, or how about Snapchat? Like that—that's something I just recently looked at, and it's like that's a you're taking an image and it's gone in three seconds. 
and I think I think There's, that's a crazy concept that you could take a picture of yourself and it's gone in three seconds and you're just burning that image inside the person's brain that's receiving it. Right, and I think I think a lot of times these girls are getting they look they're physically look more like a woman, but they're emotionally they're still kids, you know. And last ten years, you know, I I know guys in the whole revenge porn stuff too, and it's it's boggles mind somebody work in the sex business for 16 years like I, to us like snapchat and all this other stuff i don't want to say they're innovation but things things change so much in the last 10 years you know technology. oh my god well i mean like my and you thumb, have a, i'm sure my thumbs hurt from from being on my phone i'm sure we all have that that pain in our thumbs yeah. because we're constantly <laughs> communicating via text just pick up the fucking phone sometime and call. Like this, you know, human communication is really weird right now. But it's kind of lovely too. We're it's like Star Trek. We're like literally carrying around our devices in our hands, and we're able to talk to people. I know you, ha- you gotta go, but well, but, I, but uh, I'm sure you've seen this. You see three or four kids sitting next to each other. They're yeah. on the phones. Well, you know? I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty of being around people and like checking my phone or having to to answer. So, oh, excuse me, I gotta go do this right now because it's like all happening in real time in your hand. And so, I don't know. But it's really interesting the work you're doing and like the the ways you're trying to help people, Yoshi. I think that's so cool and how you've taken comedy and yeah, you're I'm helping going people back with comedy to, uh, and taking this magazine, again, illegalmagazine.org and helping people with substance abuse. Substance abuse has been a big part of my life too. I've seen what it can do to a family and it yeah. and it's really, really scary and really sad. So I agree with you, like anytime something is open, so much better. So yeah, you're awesome. Uh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, Giannis Harry, the guy who wrote Chasing the Scream, he basically say the opposite of addiction is connection because when people have a meaningful life, um, I'll finish with this. Um, I know you have to go. No, no, um, no, no, no. I'm not in a big rush. I just I want to hear uh, what he you was have talking to say, about this. He was talking about this. The, the reason why we have such a negative attitude about addiction because there was a study years ago. Um, Giannis talked about this. You you have a cage with two bottles of water. One is all, all water. Second one is all water with heroin or cocaine or both. And they put a rat in there. Eventually, rat would keep t- drinking the water with uh, drugs and dies. So everybody just assumed like if once you're addicted, you're gonna keep taking until you're dead, which is nonsense because you know plenty of like senior citizens hurting their back. They take painkiller and once the pain is away, they stop taking. They don't become like a crazy crackhead, you know. So there was a guy named Bruce Alexander, professor at Vancouver, Canada. He said, this doesn't make any sense. So he made the same case, same two bottles of water with both water, one with drug, one without. But he also added a lot of dirt with holes where the rats could go in, have fun, burrow through it. Plenty of food, plenty of toys, plenty of opposite sex, and they have uh, plenty of sex. There's, there's plenty of other things besides drugs. The rats would drink maybe a little bit of drug, but after a while, no interest because they have a connection and meaning and they have things to live oh, for. Oh, cool. So I, I think... But a lot of people don't... Well, that's one <coughs> thing, though. Some people choose the drug over the meaningful relationships. There are some people like that, too. A lot of people. But Chester Bennington, who recently just uh, killed himself, I didn't know about him because I'm from Johan, the, the uh, DJ on the Lincoln Park. I didn't know until he after he passed away. When he was a young kid... He was molested for like four or five years, and he never recovered from that. So trying to numb that terrible 
mm. he used alcohol and drugs and he never overcome that and added uh tragedy on top of that uh chester bennington's father was uh, a detective in specialty was sex crime so it just made me sad like here's his dad it's his job is to protect people from that he didn't know what was going on with his son and this didn't linger for like 30 plus years he never recovered that you know and um, no amount of money and fame could you know like if you don't get help it's it's hard to overcome that you know so yes I'm sure there's times people with a perfectly good life a household decide to take drugs and fuck up their life but I also know plenty of people just Would they didn't know how to holes. numb that pain you know Aww. and the grief you know so I try not to um, I try not to point a finger to them I just I just think you know, there's a, you have to protect yourself first. You want to help as much as you can bef without hurting yourself. But um, I've been to over 54 countries, 55. <coughs> I even been to Afghanistan twice, and my friend took me to where all the drug lords with all their heroin money, you know. Really? Yeah. Wait, what is that? What do you mean? Like, you met drug lords, or you went to their... My friend drove me into neighborhood. Uh, I, I think it's called Opium Road. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, like a neighborhood, like where uh, like a street of very wealthy people. They make money from drugs. There's oh. no way they claim they're government workers, but right, yeah, right. or some business person. But yeah, I went. Uh, it wasn't for comedy tour. I have a friend that lives there, so I went there vacation, 2012 and 2013, and not even Taliban could uh, stop opium farm in fact they make money from him now you know right. so, um throwing people in jail for having drugs doesn't it doesn't work. work we have to treat the health problems right right and i think what you said is pretty cool about the rats like treating people with uh drug addiction and giving them other things to focus on and they need our yeah. love and love like you said the holes to dig in and like yeah that's cool that's good Th that's what they need our um Compassion, not condemnation, you know. Well, I, I love it. I think this magazine is so cool. And, like, um, I, I love it. It's illegalmagazine.org. And, Yoshi, you're awesome. I've, I'm so glad we got to hang out today. This was a real treat. Yeah, next time uh, I'm planning to do one illegal comedy in L.A. I think Sam Trip. When I mentioned the Sam Tripoli, you know, you know Sam. I know Sam. He's been sober for many years, but that stuff is really personal to him. So uh, I was shocked. Um I, he said he want to do it. I think he's going to help me do one, hopefully in Comedy Store next year. But the next one that we're going to do is December 2nd, um, Saturday in Glendale, Arizona. And the uh, name of the club is Cuff, C-U-F-F. Uh, -F, and uh, it will be December 2nd, 2017, Saturday. So that will be the second illegal comedy show. <coughs> and I'm always looking for anyone with... Um, drug-related stories or artwork that they want to donate because none of us make money we're, we're just trying to help with yeah, people trying to there. help this cause yeah and um if you if you're two pieces to read about illegal magazine you could just put illegal magazine and vice because we've been uh, on vice show twice i think and now we have a secondary band what does that mean on Vice? What oh, HBO on the Vice. Show. Yeah, yeah. Vice.com. So you can watch a little bit about your magazine. Yeah, they that. covered okay. us. Got and it. So we have a van where people used to go and jack heroin back in the van. Right. Now we have a secondary van where we park in the mirror of the neighborhood. Is that in this area? Copenhagen. Oh. <coughs> yeah, it's 
that's another story. Well, you'd mentioned the, the van, so yeah, but I didn't know. But we have a secondary vans in Copenhagen now where prostitutes will take their customers and have sex with them in the back of the van because sex workers on the street, they have just an unbelievable high percentage of trans getting beaten and murdered to death, uh, you know. Yeah. So we were trying to protect them. And Give them uh, a place to work in a van? That's yeah, they have a camera outside and um, not inside, but if, if there's if, if the customer knows that, um, you know, not it, they don't have sex in their car, there's a van, um, plenty of lights in a safe neighborhood. And uh, people in Copenhagen w is very open minded. They'd rather them do in the van than find their dead bodies in the neighborhood. So Michael, my friend Mike Olson, he's been helping uh, drug addicts and um, prostitutes in Copenhagen. Um, Again, it comes back to the whole thing of <coughs> being open about stuff or yeah. like allowing it to just people. It's free will, and and it's always a better better scenario. So Yoshi, that's very so cool. yeah. So I've been going back and forth um, last four years, and. I can't wait till we do one in LA, and I think we're planning to do one in Copenhagen next year. Let me know. Year. Let me know when you're doing the LA. Well, you said December, right? Uh, December second is okay. in, in um, Glendale, Arizona. Oh, okay. And uh, either February or March next year, it'll be in Sorry. LA. I, I'm hoping I could have. Um, I don't have any polls at all in comedy show, but Sam does. So we're hoping that we could do um, illegal show. There. I just think the name of it is great too. People are going to want to come see an illegal show. That's good. So we were having a little bit of a problem because every time we say illegal, they think it's an immigration issue. <laughs> <laughs> so, or somebody asked me in Sacramento, or is "What it is it? Is it like a, there's underage kids? Like, yeah." So like, I had to keep doing other people's podcasts. Remember, no, we just we give a platform where addicts are allowed to do artwork, photograph, write a story, their personal stories, sell the magazine, make the money. We're trying to keep. I don't know how good job we're doing, but we're trying to give the give them some meanings. But there's a couple of ladies in London. They're able to get out of uh, drug problems. They're selling the magazine, got an apartment. So there's some couple of like a really cool story. Mothers who were able to get their custody of their kids got sober, and uh, doing that. So, um, but everyone, I think, if you're being honest, all of us know someone in. Our family or friends or acquaintance with drug problems. Totally. I'll be shocked if you don't you don't know anyone. Right? No, totally. Yoshi, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks I've had for such doing a nice it. I hope I hope, I hope you could do it um, next year. Oh uh, the show? Yeah. I'm yes, I'm there. Totally. Cool. Just let me know. Okay. When you get the date. I would absolutely love to be there a thousand percent. So illegalcomedy.com for check out the dates and uh, if you have any question, dummyoshi at gmail dot com. If you want to submit a story, or if you have a story, or if you want to volunteer. If you just want to check out Yoshi's funny shit, man. He's amazing. So. I'm okay. Thank You're you. You're okay. You're okay. Yoshi, thank you. Thank you.